everything we do has a beginning. of those things end up needing a restart. Let's start again. Yeah. But our God is all about new beginnings. And it all starts with the gospel. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Listen, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I'm ready. I hope you guys are ready. Did y'all hear there was an eclipse coming to town? I don't know if any of y'all looped in on that. It's been fun. Um, I actually got, got these glasses and I tried them on yesterday. Um, and you can actually go out and look at the sun. It's really cool. It's, it's amazing to see it. Uh, my wife came out and saw me outside and she was like, Josh, you're not supposed to look at the sun with those things. Even, and so my right eye's a little blurry. Uh, but we're gonna get through this together. It's gonna be fun. But uh, how many of you, I'm curious, how many of you um, are in town for the eclipse and you just happen to be here at church this weekend? Check that out. That is awesome. Welcome, y'all. We're glad that you're here. Very cool. You know, this isn't the first time that we've experienced an eclipse as a country, but it is the first time we've experienced an eclipse during the age of social media. And it's been amazing watching you. Uh, some of you are ready for a Category 5 hurricane. You've got <laughs> water, you've got gas, you're fueled up. You know, it's been, been amazing. But hopefully we'll have clear skies tomorrow and be able to experience uh, the burning of our retinas together. It'll be a, a cool thing, shared experience for us. We're glad you guys are here. My name is Josh Surratt. I serve as the lead pastor here. I want to welcome all of you who are also joining us at one of our campuses or maybe in the chapel. Um, maybe you're watching online. We're excited that you're with us as well. Can you think of a time where you had to start over with something? Anybody think of a, a time where you've, you've had to start over? I know for me, there's nothing more frustrating than getting some progress down the road on a project, getting some stuff done, and getting to the end only to realize that you've got to scrap it and start all over again. It's happened many times uh, for me. I was thinking about this <clears throat> this week and we got our kids a basketball goal one Christmas and um, we, we put it in the garage in the box for just a couple of, uh, a couple of years after we bought it, but then <laughs> we finally decided to put it together. And so bring it out and you know, I had a friend helping me. We, pulled out all the pieces. We had the instructions, which were very helpful. We kind of glanced at them from time to time, but mostly we relied on our instincts and just pure talent. And so we put this thing together and got all the way to the end, get the, the rim on the backboard and we put the stickers you know, on the backboard. It was awesome. We talk, took it out to the driveway and we set this basketball goal up and literally the backboard was flat facing up into the air you know, with the, the, the rim on it. It's like, oh, I gotta start this thing all over again. And you know, I've had to do that many times with projects like that. Most of us can relate, right, to, to having to start over. But some of us uh, maybe have had to start over in something a little bit more significant in our lives. You know, starting over maybe in a relationship or a marriage or a career. And, um, and it can be difficult, you know, when, when you're kind of starting from scratch. What do I do when I need a fresh start? You know, some of us maybe you're here today and feel like you're at a place where you just want a fresh start or start over spiritually. Uh, your faith, maybe you had faith as a child or you grew up believing, but man, life has happened and you've experienced some things and, and you feel like, man, I need a fresh start. 
If that's you, if you're starting over, I think you're in the right place. We're starting a series right now. We're actually, we've been in a series all year long. If you're new to the church, we've been reading through the Bible. We're doing Year in the Word, which has been awesome. And a couple months ago, we started thinking about the fall and praying about the fall, looked at some of the scriptures that we'd be reading. And we realized that for the next six weeks, the readings that we're gonna be doing is gonna be, have us in the Gospel of John. And so we thought, what a great opportunity to start a new series. We'll start a, a, a mini series within our Year in the Word series called Start Here. And we're really gonna look at some of the fundamentals, going back to the basics. What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to live this life that he has for us? And we're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna do a lot of practical stuff during the series. But this weekend, I really want us to go back to the basics. Let's go back to the basics. What are some of the most fundamental, foundational things that we need to know and, and, and questions that we need to ask as we start over or we you know, maybe even just turn a new chapter in our faith? And I can already tell there are some of you that you're like me. You're a little cynical. You're like, all right, dude, I've been following the Lord for a long time. Like, this is not new for me. Um, am I gonna be bored during this series? What's, what's, what's the deal? Like, am I gonna be able to, to hang with this? Well, I wanna encourage you uh, an answer to that question with uh, th this guy. Does anybody know who this man is? Vince Lombardi, we got a Packers fan. <clears throat> Her day was just made. She is like, she can go home. But Vince Lombardi, uh, he, he was probably one of the most famous head football coaches in the history of the NFL. In fact, when teams win the Super Bowl now, they, they hold up the Lombardi Trophy that's named after Vince Lombardi. He coached the Green Bay Packers, and um, they haven't won much recently, but they did back when he was <laughs> there. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm a Bears fan, so I can't actually talk about that. But, but when he became, the, the year before he became the head coach, the Green Bay Packers won one game. Uh, so it was a rough a rough season for them. His first year as a head coach, they won seven games, uh, and he, he actually won coach of the year and did a great job. And then his second year as the head coach, they went all the way to the championship game in 1960. They played against the Eagles, who's another team who hasn't won in a long, long time. But um, Sam Lesky's one of my good friends. He's an Eagles fan, so just shout out to the Eagles fans. But they were playing them, 1960 championship. They're winning the game, the Packers are, and the Eagles come back and beat them and in the last minutes of the game, and they lose this championship game. So fast forward about three or four months later, Vince Lombardi kicks off the next season, very first day of practice. You've got 38 players on the team. These are the best of the best, right? I mean, these are professionals. They've made it all the way to the championship game, and they're coming to practice, and they're hungry. They're ready to go. We, what is it gonna take for us to get over the hump? What is it gonna take for us to go to the next level and win a championship? And Vince Lombardi shows up to practice and he gathers the guys around <clears throat> and he, he pulls them together and he says, all right, guys. And he goes, gentlemen, this is a football. And he begins to explain to them what a football is, the, the dimensions of a football, the, the proper air pressure inside of a football, unless you're Tom Brady. Um, but <clears throat> just, just kidding, I had to take a dig there. Um, aren't you glad football's starting up? I'm, I'm excited. But, but, but he literally, he begins to just go through for, for weeks in practice, they're just going through the fundamentals, blocking and, and tackling. And, and some of these players even were giving him a hard time. They're like, coach, like we're professionals. We, we, we've been to the championship. Like we know this stuff. But he said, no, we're going back to the fundamentals. And, and, and you know, winning a football championship ultimately starts with knowing what a football is. Everything has a beginning, a starting point. Uh, you had a starting point, 
Some of you, that was on purpose. Uh, others of you, it wasn't, but we're glad we, we all made it here. It's good. Yeah, you know, road trips have a starting point. Our country had a starting point, and our faith has a starting point. And so as we jump into this series, we're gonna get into some fun stuff, but I wanna start with just some foundational questions. Uh, Two starting point questions as it relates to our faith and as it relates to starting over. And so if you have an outline sheet, you can kind of follow along. The first question that I want us to talk about is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Would you agree that there are a lot of different opinions about who Jesus is? You kind of hear in our culture, and maybe you got friends, you know, Jesus was a great teacher, or Jesus is, you know, this miracle worker, or Jesus is my homeboy, Jesus is a hippie, you know, all these different ideas. Everybody's got kind of an idea of who Jesus is. Uh, but, but really, that is the most foundational question that we could ask. Who is Jesus? And we look into the Gospel of John, ultimately, Nobody really knew Jesus better than John. Uh, John had a very intimate friendship with Jesus. In fact, the, the Gospel of John describes John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, he did write that, so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure the other disciples were like, dude, he loved me too. But, but they were close. They had a great friendship. And so he writes this, this gospel, this account of Jesus' life. And I wanna show you the last two verses in the gospel of John. We'll get to these in our reading in a few weeks. But he, he says in the very last two verses, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But then he says, but these are written... He's given you the reason he wrote this book. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The reason I'm writing this book is that you would know Jesus, that you'd believe that he's the Messiah and that you'd experience the life that he wants for you. It's foundational to to our faith. It's foundational to starting over or even to moving on to the next chapter. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I wanna go back to the very beginning now of this gospel and and give you three ideas out of the first couple of verses of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. It's first three verses of John. It can be a little bit confusing. You jump into that. What's, what's that mean? What's he talking about? But what he's saying is that in the beginning was the word. And actually, that's our first fill in the blank. Jesus is logos. Now, the next two start with L. And so as a preacher, I felt like I needed to have alliteration. It's actually word. Logos is the Hebrew word for the word word. Uh, and and, and what, what, he, what he's essentially saying is that Jesus is God. Jesus is the, the word of God, would be the spoken word or the written word. It's ultimately, it's the, um, the expression of what is in God's heart and what is in God's mind. And we, we have that as the Bible, right? We have the written word of God and we've been reading the year in the word, but, but what John is saying is that in the beginning, before he even created earth and created any of us, that the expression of God's heart, the expression of of, of, of God's thoughts is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And he explains it in verse 14. He says, the word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So the word that was in the beginning with God, the word that was God is Jesus. And, and, and here's why that's important. We're gonna read about some really cool things that Jesus did. And, and we're gonna read about his character. We're gonna read about some things that he wants for us and he wants from us. But the starting point for John, and every other disciple got there, or every other gospel got there at some point, but John's like, dude, before you even get into this, you need to know that this man that you're reading about isn't just a great teacher. He's not just a, a guy who loved people. You need to understand he is God. So if you wanna know who God is and if you wanna know what God's thoughts are towards you, then, then look at the life of Jesus and study the life of Jesus. And, and you know, one of our values here at Seacoast, we, we exist to help people find God and to grow in their faith and discover their purpose and ultimately to make a difference. You can't find God if you haven't found Jesus. Jesus is God. And so that's foundational. It's a theological kind of beginning point. But, but as we read through the Gospel of John, what he's saying is, hey, read this worshipfully. Read this recognizing that this is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is Logos. He's the Word of God. Uh, a second thought for us is Jesus' is life. Jesus' is life. Look what it says in verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In him was life. The, the verse before says, through him all things were made. And the reason I, I wanna highlight that for us today is because many of us, maybe you grew up in a, a church and maybe you came to understand following the Lord as kind of a, a lifeless religion, you know, kind of a set of rules or things that you're supposed to do. And that, that was never Jesus' intent. Jesus came, and John 10, we'll read later, it says that we would have life and life abundantly. In fact, in John chapter two, we read it this week, that the first miracle that John records is Jesus going to a party that was already lively and taking water and turning it into wine and making it even more lively. Like that's the first thing that he did. And some of you Baptists are having a hard time with that. It's in the Bible, I didn't make that up. But Jesus came to bring life. He wanted people to experience the fullness of life. Man, he didn't come just bringing a set of rules. That, that was not what Jesus was about. Jesus is life. He's logos, he's life. Jesus is also light. Jesus is light. In verse five, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is, is light. He came to shine in the darkness. You know, um, the, over the last couple of months in our home, we've had five different light fixtures that have gone bad. What happened is years ago, we built this house, and when you build a house, eventually you run out of money. That's how the process works, and we happened to run out of money before we got our light fixtures. So we went to some warehouse sale and bought some stuff that we could kind of scrap together, and they worked fine for a couple of years, but they've, several of them have gone out, and um, most of them were like in my kids' rooms, so my son's room and his bathroom, and so I, it wasn't a big deal to me, and so I just kind of let it go. Uh, tried to replace the bulbs, and when I realized it was a bigger problem than that, it was like, oh, they'll, they'll be fine. You know, They're like, we're scared. I'm like, just close your eyes. Go to bed. You'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, finally, this week, you know, we decided we need to do this, and so I had a friend of mine, uh, as you heard the earlier story about the basketball goal, I brought a friend who knows what he's doing, and we, we changed out the light fixtures, and my son walked into his room, it was night when we got it done, and he turned the light on and he was like, 
wow, this thing is, this room is amazing. It's so much different at night. Like, I love it. And, uh, but, but what's interesting, and, and this is not rocket science, is that during the day, it really wasn't a big deal that the lights didn't work. You know, didn't really think about it. It was out of mind, out of sight. But at night, it was a very big deal that we, that we had light. And light shines in the darkness. The solution to darkness is light. And Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is light. And, and so I don't know if you've noticed or watched the news, but the culture that we live in today, the world that we live in, there's a lot of darkness. Would you agree with that? There's a lot going on that's difficult to, to see and to, to partake of. There's division that just seems like it gets worse and worse. And I don't know. I don't know if it's worse today than it ever has been, but it sure feels that way at times. It feels more divided. It feels dark. And, and the reason that Jesus came, Jesus' light, wasn't so that his people would kind of bury their head in the sand and hide out during times like this. We were created to bring Jesus' light into the darkness. And I don't have simple platitudes or, or pretend that there are simple solutions, but I do believe that if, as God's people, as Christ followers, if we would just engage in the process, engage in the conversations, not first and foremost with our political perspective or you know, our background, but to go, man, I wanna bring Jesus into this situation. I wanna bring light into the darkness. That's what, that's what we were created to do. Jesus' logos, Jesus' life, Jesus' light. Ultimately, Jesus is God. And, and as we jump into this series, we gotta start with who is Jesus? Foundational question. Have you answered that question? H have you come to a place where you acknowledge and believe that Jesus wasn't just a great guy, but Jesus is God. Jesus was with God, Jesus was God. Who is Jesus? Second question, as we look at starting point for starting over with our faith, how can I be born again? How can I be born again? Is there a more churchy word than born again? Like some of you even just like reading that are like, dude, what, you know, what are you talking about? Maybe we've seen a survey or something that surveys born again Christians, but it's a word that we don't really use all the time. Like you don't hear people saying, yeah, I had dinner and uh, went to a game and got born again. Uh, you know, it's just not a, <clears throat> not a phrase that we throw around a, a lot. Well, I grew up in the church, and I know this is incorrect theologically, but I think if there was a Guinness Book of World Records for number of times being born again, I think I've got it. Like, I would, like anytime there was a chance growing up to like give my life to Christ, I was like, man, I'm in, I wanna do it. And I think part of it is that I just wanted to know. Like, I wanted to know that I was good. I wanted to know that I was saved, and as I grew up and, you know, became exposed to different sins and uh, different, you know, just kind of realizing that I had some issues. It was like, man, I want, I, I want this. And, but can you know? Like, can, can you know, how do, I, how do I become born again? It's like one of the basic fundamental questions of our faith. And, and in John chapter three, Jesus, who actually is the one that coined that term, we'll see here in a minute, uh, he begins to engage a church person in a conversation about being born again. And so as I was reading through the scriptures this week, I thought, you know what? We're all in church, let's talk about that. What does it mean? What, what does it look like for us to be born again? Look at John chapter three. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So this is a church person, this is a leader in the, in the, the Jewish synagogue. His name's Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus at night. Again, the, the light shines best in the darkness. And I don't know if he was ashamed or afraid or what, but he came to Jesus at night. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. 
for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. So he's, he's noticed, he's paying attention. He's like, there is something, God, God has sent this guy and he, he wants to kind of lean in and engage and perhaps become a, a follower or be part of what he's doing. He realizes there's life in this thing. And, and, and so this is what's interesting. Jesus replies to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Isn't that an interesting approach? Like you would think, hey, this is an influential, you know, religious leader. Come on, join me. Let's, let's do this. But he's like, wait a minute. We can't even get to the things that, that we're gonna do. You can't, no, nobody can experience or see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus, I love him because he's just like you and me. He's like, dude, you don't make any sense at all. I don't understand what you're saying. How can someone be born when they're old? Like, like this is basic you know, science. I don't understand. Like, Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's, he's got questions. Doesn't make sense to him. And maybe you're here today and you're like, well, let's talk about being born again. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. But here's the deal. If we're gonna be born again, we, we've got to start with admitting that we don't have it together. It, it, he, he's got questions. I love what Jesus says is he answers him and he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're, by, by the way, like, I think a lot of times we forget some of the harder things Jesus said. We just wanna follow the easy things, but this is, a, this is a hard conversation. It's like, hey, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. That doesn't make a lot of sense to, to all of us, but you gotta remember that Jesus was talking to a Jewish rabbi. He was talking to somebody who, understood the Old Testament, knew the scriptures, probably had them memorized. And later we'll see Jesus interact with different types of people and he, he handles them differently. You know, you remember he talks about a, a, the story of the prodigal son to show people. But with this guy, he's, he's drawing on some things that he would have known what he's talking about. What does this mean? Unless they are born of water and the spirit. Well, if you look back at Ezekiel, one of the prophecies that, that talks and points us to Jesus, says Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I believe the water that Jesus was talking about was pointing back to you need to experience being cleansed with, with a clean water. And then he says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. He said, you have to be born of water and of the spirit. He says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll remove a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, basically Jesus is telling Nicodemus the same thing that he would tell us, which is that if you wanna be born again, it starts with admitting our need for a fresh start. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. And, and, and the problem is, Nicodemus, that your first birth had some flaws in it. Like, I don't mean to offend you, but, but when you were born, you were born into sin. And I know that it's not super popular to talk about that these days, and most of us, you know, not most of us, but many of us might think, man, no, you're born without sin. You're not born 
selfish. You're not born you know, that, that way. Like, how could you talk about a child that way? And if those are your questions, then you don't have kids yourself, right? The rest of us know that like, kids are born selfish, right? I mean, they, you don't have to teach them mine or me or no or I'm not gonna share. You don't have to teach them to not share. Like, they get it. They come out knowing that we all did. And Jesus is saying flesh is born to flesh and we're born into sin. Romans says that through one man's birth, Adam came sin. Like, it's just, it's, it's part of our nature. You know, and, and maybe you're here today and you find yourself in need of a fresh start, having you know, maybe made some mistakes or blown it in some areas and, and maybe you feel guilty. Jesus didn't say this to make him feel guilty, just said it to, to help him understand, that's why I came. I came because man was born into sin and, 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 and sin separates us from God. And so you need, you need a new birth. You, you need to admit though that, 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 that you've got sin. And I'll tell you, um, I, I grew up in this stuff, right? I mean, I, I grew up in church, I grew up knowing this stuff, but that passage about a heart of stone turning to a heart of flesh, man, I can so relate to that. Last night after church, uh, my wife and I went to my 20-year high school reunion. I was really young when I graduated from high school, but, um, <clears throat> and it just had me reflecting some this week about you know, those days and about growing up and about just my, my faith. And if there was like a class superlative for least likely to preach a sermon and then go to the 20 year reunion, I would have been the guy that would have gotten that. Like, you know, and you know, through Facebook, we all kind of know each other, but there were so many conversations last night that were like, man, who would have thought, <laughs> right? Like, and and the, the reason is I knew all this stuff in my mind, but man, I, my heart was, was stone. I, I, I was moved out of my, my house at 17 years old right after I graduated and and I immediately jumped in and had done before too, but just doing all the things that make for a great testimony, you know, doing all the, the stuff and, uh, and honestly hurting some people along the way. And I remember being in college and, and just experiencing all these freedoms that I thought like, man, this is gonna be so great when I can finally be out from my dad's shadow and do whatever I wanna do. And, and it didn't take very long to realize, man, there's no life in this. Spiritually, I, I, you know, there's no, this is, this is not gonna take me anywhere. And I remember going to a, a small group. Um, actually, it was an oyster roast that they kind of bait and switched me into a small group. <clears throat> so it worked though. But um, I remember going to a small group and, and I brought actually several of my friends to this oyster roast and, and they switched it on us. And, and somehow, I can't really explain um, exactly what happened, but God just got me to this place where I realized, man, my heart is stone. And, and I, I am, I am there's, just some, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my, my nature. And, and, and I got to this place where I just committed my life to Christ in a small group. And you know, it's Connect Weekend here at Seacoast at all of our campuses. And uh, some of you may, may not be in a small group and you may feel like, well, I don't know that I've kind of got my life together enough to jump into a small group. And I just wanna encourage you, small group is for all of us. I mean, if, in fact, if you have your life pretty well put together, you may not need a small group. But the rest of us, we do, it's, it's connection. And for me, it was that moment where I just became very aware of my need to admit that I needed a fresh start. And, um, and everything changed for me. I, I got a fresh start and it's not been perfect, but, but I did begin to experience a heart change where Jesus began to change a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. We gotta admit our need for a fresh start. If you wanna be born again, that's where it starts. But, but, but what else? Nicodemus goes, 
well, well, how can this be? I remember Jesus said this deal about you've got to be born into spirit and water and Nicodemus is like, well, what, how? Like, what, what, what do you want me to do? And Jesus tells him the second thing that we have to do, which is to put our faith in Jesus. Put our faith in Jesus. Look what it says in John 3, 14 through 17. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. Now this is the second week in a row that we've seen the scripture reference this story. It happened back in Exodus when people were, God's people were being delivered out of Egypt and <clears throat> what happened, it's crazy, is basically they came upon a, a nest of snakes and a bunch of them got bit by snakes, poisonous snakes. And so God's people were dying of this toxin that was in their body. And so God did something really cool. He had Moses erect a bronze statue of a snake and he said, hold this statue up and anybody who looks at the statue will be healed of the sickness in their body. I mean, it's just one of these crazy, awesome God miracles and we're not gonna pull the snakes out. Uh, don't, don't worry, some of you are like, oh, where's he going with this? Um, and eventually they would begin to idolize that. They, you know, they kind of put it up as, a, as an idol and God was like, no, that's not, that's not right. But, um, but what happened is God healed them uh, by, by just looking up at the snake. And so Jesus is saying, much like Moses lifted that, so the son of man must be lifted up, ultimately lifted up on a cross, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then in John three sixteen, this is the context for one of the most famous verses in the Bible. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, I've gotta put my faith in Jesus. The word believe here, it, it does mean to believe mentally, you know, that Jesus is God, but it's more than that. You know, if you believe that Jesus is God, that puts all of us kind of on the same level as demons, because the Bible says that demons even believe that. So that's great, it's a starting point. But, but he's saying there's more. You've gotta put, it's like a surrendered belief. It's saying, man, I'm putting my life, my faith into your hands. I'm entrusting you with my life. I have to put our faith in Jesus. And then he says a verse that I wish was as famous as John 3.16. John 3.17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you think the world needs to know that? Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. And again, if you find yourself in need of a fresh start, maybe you feel guilty, you feel like, oh, I've blown it. Man, that's why Jesus came. He, he is the author of fresh starts. We have to put our faith in him. Admit our need for fresh start. Put my faith in Jesus. And then how, how can I be born again? Receive new life. See, the first part, that's our part. We admit our need. God, I'm sick, I've got sin, I'm, I'm putting my faith in you, and then he does his part. We just receive new life. He begins to take a heart that was dead and make it alive. As I was preparing for this message this week, I saw on the news uh, a story of a seacoaster, uh, Hayward, um, who, uh, just so cool that God used her in this way, but I think it really illustrates what we're talking about today. So I want you to hear her story. Tonight's everyday hero truly lives up to the name, giving a piece of herself literally to a complete stranger. The picture on her desk says a teacher takes a hand, opens a mind, and touches a heart. But this third grade teacher in Mount Pleasant did so much more than that. Talk about being a teacher, you love it? 
I do. I love it. It's, the kids are awesome. They're my favorite part of teaching. This is Hayward Murray. Mm -hmm. Yep, grew up here, went to the school, graduated from the old Wando. Born and raised in the Low Country, but just over two months ago, made a decision that changed her life and someone else's. How do you come to grips with a decision like that? Well, it goes. It all goes back to my faith. I just feel like, um, gosh. It's okay. So, what did she do that was so special? It all started with a Facebook post. And I saw a woman posting that her husband needed a kidney, and she was basically just like begging someone to donate their kidney. And um, I was just like, oh my gosh, it kind of like broke my heart. And then I, you know, thought about it, and I was like, you know, if I have something I have that I don't really need, why not give it to somebody? That's right. Hayward decided to donate one of her kidneys to not a family member or friend, but to anybody who needed one. I um, just felt like it was something I needed to do. In January, she started the process, the tests, the physicals, all the medical work and preparations needed to have surgery. It was performed at MUSC June 8th. The recipient, the man who, as luck has it, lives right here in Charleston. He kept thanking me over and over, and he called me an angel, and um, he was just really grateful. He told me about how he was ready to give up. Um, he had told his son, like, he was, he was done with dialysis. He was tired of being not able to live his life, and um, he just was ready to quit. But because of one woman's selflessness and faith, life goes on. A lot of people would say... Uh, you're a hero. What would you say to that? No, I mean, um, God has people do things like this to show his love to people and to draw them to him. And I want everyone to just know that um, he, he loves you and that he has a purpose for everybody. And I think that's, you know, the main thing. Isn't that cool? I know uh, Hayward's parents are here during this service, and you guys have to be really proud uh, of your daughter. I love what she said. Sometimes God has people do stuff like this so that people will know that he loves them and that would draw them near to him. And we talked about Jesus being light in the darkness. I can't think of a, a better example of somebody going, you know what, I wanna bring light into a situation that's dark for a complete stranger. You know, that's, that's this life that Jesus is calling us into. But, but the main reason I wanted to share that story with you, obviously to celebrate what she did, so cool. But to me, I watched that story and I thought, you know what? We're all that guy who needs a kidney. You know, ultimately, we're all that, we've all been there or are there, we're, 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 we're sick. There's, there's a disease called sin that we were born into. And I, I love that with this gentleman, he, all he did was acknowledge what was true, what was going on inside of him. And then say, I'm, I'm opening myself to, up to receive help. And, and ultimately he received a new lease on life. But as I heard her say that he said, I'm just, I'm tired of going to dialysis. I'm ready to quit. I'm, I'm, I'm fatigued. And I just wonder if there aren't some of us that are here today that can just really relate to that spiritually. Going, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, trying to do this thing right and do it on my own and I'm just kind of tired of, 
of, of, of trying my, my own way. I, I wanna receive new life. And you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have a great series. It's, it's gonna be, I hope you'll come. I hope you'll invite friends to it. We're gonna, we're gonna really talk about some, some cool things that Jesus has for us. But before we get there, I just, I, I want us to go back to the basics. Who is Jesus? And have you been born again? And we're not gonna have like a pressure-filled moment, but I am gonna give you an opportunity if you're here today and you say, you know what? At the end of the day, I don't, I don't know that I am. I don't know that I've kind of offered up my heart, which if we're honest, there are parts that need a jackhammer because they're so hardened because of my experiences or because of what's been done to me. And I wanna give everybody an opportunity to, to answer the question, who is Jesus and have I been born again? Would you guys bow with me as we close in prayer? And at the campuses, our campus pastors are gonna come, campus worship teams. And as we kind of enter into this moment, I wanna encourage you to, to bow your heads. And I, I just wanna ask you, have you been born again? Do you need to admit your need for a fresh start? Put your trust and faith in Jesus and receive new life. And if that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity to do so. You know, um, I thought about that story in the Old Testament when people had to look up at the bronze snake. You know, God could have healed them any way that he wanted to. He could have just kind of snapped his fingers and they're all healed, but he wanted them to take a step. He wanted them to take a step of trust, an action of faith. He wanted, it, he wanted them to look up at this bronze snake. And so as we are in this moment, all the heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wanna give you a moment of, of privacy to do that, to, to just look up. And I'm gonna ask you if you wanna receive Jesus, if you wanna be born again, to look up at me. And then I'll lead you uh, in, in a prayer. But I'm gonna start on my right, so your left. If, if you're sitting in, in the left section, you say, man, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. Would you look up at me? Awesome. Very cool, thank you, ma'am. Sir, that's fantastic. On the floor here in this room, awesome. I wanna be born again. I wanna receive new life. Kind of moving across the worship center. Okay, cool, fantastic. See that big old smile, it's awesome. Praise God. In the middle here, middle section, if I wanna receive new life, I wanna be born again, awesome. Praise God, that's great. It's just acknowledging, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, thank you. It's awesome. I wanna receive new life, awesome. Very cool, very cool, thank you. I'm moving over to my left and, and your right, kind of in the right middle section. If you wanna just be born again, just look up at me. Just look up at me, awesome, awesome. Say, man, I wanna, I wanna resolve that. I, I, wanna, I wanna make a decision today, that's fantastic. People all over this place, all the way on the right, my left, I wanna, I wanna receive new life, I wanna be born again. Okay, cool, thank you, sir. It's amazing, up in the balcony here on the, the left side, your right, just look at me, just looking up, saying I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, that's awesome. Awesome, bunch of you guys doing that, praise God. Kind of moving across to the middle on the balcony, just looking up at me, and if I don't make eye contact to you, that, that's not what it's about, it's about you taking a step, saying, Jesus, I wanna, I wanna receive new life. And all the way over to the, the right-hand side, your left in the balcony, awesome, awesome. Wanna be born again. I wanna encourage you to just pray with me. And you can kind of say these words in your own way, in your own heart, but basically, God, Jesus, we're coming to you today. We're acknowledging that that we believe that you, Jesus, are God, that you came to, to bring life and to bring light into our lives and into this world. And Jesus, we wanna be born again. Lord, we, we, we acknowledge that we, we haven't gotten it right, we've got sin in our lives, we need a fresh start. 
or putting our faith and our trust in you. Jesus, would you take these hearts of stone and begin a transformation? Turn them into a heart of flesh. Jesus, we thank you. We love you, we trust you. God, I thank you for everybody who's in this place. Lord, I thank you that you haven't come to to make good people better or to make bad people good, but you came to bring life where there was death. You came to bring power where there was none. And God, I just pray, Lord, for everybody who is making that decision today to be born again, Lord, that you would begin a work in our hearts. Some of us have all the feelings that go with that right now, some of us may not, but we just thank you, Lord, that you are the author of transformation and of life, and we put our trust and our faith in you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.